Listen, I want to welcome all of you, and especially those at our 111th campus who are with us this weekend. Every weekend, they're with us, and that's a great opportunity to begin to celebrate Christmas with the whole Compass Church. And uh, also, uh, those who are watching internationally, isn't that cool? Uh, celebrating Christmas, not just here in America, but all around the world as well. When you talk about celebrating Christmas, uh, at the Hummel household, we have already begun in terms of opening gifts. You see, last weekend, uh, Marsha's parents were in town and celebrating Thanksgiving with us, and uh, her mother and father went out and bought some gifts for the great-grandkids. And uh, uh, we thought about, you know, should we wait until Christmas morning for them to open those gifts, or should we go ahead and, uh, you know, open the gifts now? And uh, the vote was taken, and it was decided it's okay to let them open their gifts from great-grandma and grandpa last weekend. Now, my, my youngest uh, uh, grandson that lives here, uh, Xander, uh, could really care less right now about gifts and things like that. He's a little too young for that. But my, uh, my, my grandson, Harrison, he's at that perfect age uh, for gifts. So Marsha held uh, him on her lap, and uh, we presented him his Christmas uh, gift to open up this beautiful green box. And his eyes began to just dance as he, you know, looked over the beautiful, shining, sparkly box. And the rest of us, and I noticed especially great-grandpa and grandpa's eyes, were totally focused on his face. Because one of the things that I've learned as a grandparent is that when it comes to Christmas, the joy as a grandparent is no longer receiving gifts. The joy of a grandparent is giving those gifts to your grandkids and watching them delight in what you've given them and the surprise that comes on their face. So he just uh, began, you know, tearing the paper off and, and getting more excited. And we're all kind of watching him and he's watching it. And finally, he gets the, the last piece of paper off. And after he does so, he then tears into that box. And when he, when he tears into the box, he, he opens it up and he gets this smile from ear to ear. His eyes get as big as they possibly can. And he has this little voice of absolute joy that comes out of him. And it's his very first manger set. All right? Complete with batteries <laughs> and characters. All right? And he got so excited. And I wish you could have seen how excited uh, great grandpa and grandma got because they were just thrilled that he loved their gifts so much. In fact, when he went home uh, that night, he had it, you know, and the box is almost as big as him. He had it kind of in his arms, wrapped like this, and carrying it out to the van. He's going to go home. And then news was that the next morning, and this really made great-grandma and grandpa's uh, weekend, the news was the next morning, it was the first thing that he asked for and wanted to play. And that just touched your heart, all right? Well, if you're a grandparent and that's your grandkid, it really touches your heart, all right? And especially if you're a great-grandparent. 
You know, just the joy of, of seeing how much they love what you have taken the time to wrap and present to them. You know who the greatest gift giver is? The greatest gift giver is our Heavenly Father. And He, too, absolutely delights in giving us gifts and just waiting and watching to see our response to what He has given to us. He likes to see our joy in what He's given. You know, if you think back over time, when God created this beautiful paradise called, called Eden. He then created man, Adam, and he put him in that garden. It was like a surprise, Adam. Look what I've created for you to live in. And Adam must have been wowed with God's surprise and God's gift of creation. We have no idea what the Garden of Eden must have been like. So beautiful, a paradise beyond description. And then God had another surprise for Adam. He caused him to fall asleep, remember? And God took out of Adam's side a rib, and he fashioned it into the most beautiful creature that God had ever created, a woman. And when Adam woke up, God brought the woman to him. And honestly, in the Hebrew there, when he says, she shall be called woman, it's like with a whistle. It's like with a, wow, what a beautiful surprise from the Father. And God had so many more surprises in store for Adam and Eve. However, you and I know the story, don't we? They decided to listen to the serpent, to Satan instead of God, and believed that Satan had a better surprise to them. Well, he had a surprise to them, all right, but it was not a good surprise. It was poison. It was selfishness and self-centeredness and sin. And sin came into their lives and we are all their children and that sin has passed on to us so that we don't look to God for our gifts and our surprises. We look to the world. We look to ourselves. And, you know, it hasn't made us very happy people, has it? Well, thank God he didn't reject us and say no more surprises and no more gifts. God knew what our response was going to be. And long before he created the world, God had in mind that one day he was going to give his most precious gift, his greatest surprise that would truly bless all of humanity. But how would people receive that gift? How would we receive that surprise? Can I be really honest with you at 111th and here at Hobson, I find that I don't always rejoice and delight in God's surprise and God's gift to me. In fact, I find that it's very easy for me, even in the Christmas season, sometimes it seems like more so in the Christmas season, to end up complaining more than rejoicing. Am I alone this weekend? 111th, am I alone this weekend? I find that it's easy for me to criticize rather than to praise. I find that it's easy for me to worry and get anxious, giving in the kind of economy and world that we live in right now, rather than to rejoice in God. How many of you would say, boy, I'm right there with you. I know what that's like. I want that to change in my life. Don't you? 
I, I want to be one who delights in what God has given to me. And, and I need to know how to do that. And thank God he uses a 15-year-old to teach us how to rejoice in God's gift, how to receive God's gift, how to have the right perspective. Because the first person that God gave this wonderful surprise and gift to was the 15-year-old girl who we know as Mary, who lived in the most obscure village called Nazareth. Nazareth. Whoever came out of Nazareth, that was famous. That was a prophet. That was a preacher. That had done anything. I mean, Nazareth not even mentioned in the Old Testament. Just a simple little village with a couple hundred people perched on top of the mountains of Galilee. But that's God. God does the most unusual things in the strangest places and with the most unlikely people. Have you ever noticed that? And I am really glad for that. Because that means you and I have some hope, doesn't it? Well, Mary was engaged. Can you imagine? How many of you have children at home? 111? Can you imagine? Listen, you're 15-year-old being engaged right now. That's pretty scary, isn't it? It was prearranged, different customs, different laws in those days. And so Mary is engaged to be married to the village carpenter, man by the name of Joseph. And boy, he has a surprise for us next weekend. We'll talk about that later. And I imagine that Mary was just going about her usual business, helping around the home with chores, listening to some of the village gossip. And maybe talking to your girlfriends about the upcoming wedding and just how exciting it was going to be. And maybe some of the other girls were talking about their engagement and when their wedding was going to happen. And one of the things they would have been discussing was their dream. The dream that every Jewish girl had that maybe, just maybe, they would be selected to be the mother of the Messiah. In their minds, Messiah would be a human being like all the rest of us, but on whom God's spirit would come like Samson or like one of the prophets and he would deliver the people from the oppression of their enemies. Boy, were the people of Israel in for a surprise about who the Messiah really is supposed to be. But I imagine none of them thought that they would be chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. I mean, they're just country bumpkins living up in the hills, hillbillies, if you will, in Nazareth. God certainly is not going to choose someone like them to be the mother of the uh, Messiah. God called Gabriel into his presence. Gabriel stands in the presence of God. He is God's messenger angel. You don't mess with Gabriel. Gabriel is the one who revealed the future from God to the prophet Daniel. And it was just a few months ago that 
Gabriel had been dispatched to a godly priest by the name of Zechariah to inform him while he was in the temple that he and his wife Elizabeth, both old in age, she'd never been able to conceive children, that they would have a boy who would be the one who would step out and announce to the world that God's surprise and God's gift had arrived on the scene. But now... It was Gabriel's turn to go and announce to a young woman, Mary, this 15-year-old, that she is the first receiver, literally, of the gift. Have you ever been outside and had a gust of wind kind of just blow by and it's like it brushes your face and you just know it's there all of a sudden? I think that's kind of how it happened for Mary. I think she was just going about her ordinary business when suddenly Gabriel appeared and he had something to say to her. Now you need to take your Bibles out and turn to Luke chapter 1 where we have this encounter of Gabriel who stands in the presence of God as he comes and as he speaks to this 15 or 16 year old girl named Mary. It says in Luke chapter 1, verse 28, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Wow, can you imagine being Mary? You never had anything like that happen to you before. And it's obvious that this is not somebody from your village. This is some kind of, you know, supernatural being who's standing before you. But what's so fascinating is that is that Mary's response to Gabriel is not one like she faints or falls over. It says in the next verse that she was confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. It's like his presence didn't bother her, but his words did. Favored one? I can imagine her kind of looking around. Who are you really talking to? She never saw herself as a favored one. And by the way, the reason Gabriel calls her favored one is not because she was divine, not because she was super spiritual, not because she kept the law perfectly. She is not favored for any other reason than the fact that God has chosen her. That's what makes her favored. Highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Same thing is true about everybody here this weekend at 111. What makes you God's favorite is not because you're so good looking. It's not because you're successful. It's not because you're so spiritual. What makes you and I God's favorite is the fact that God would just choose to give us his wonderful gift, the gift of his son. That's what makes us favorite. So she was disturbed by this greeting, but Gabriel goes on to kind of clarify things. He says in verse 30, Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He'll be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. 
Now, I don't know what Gabriel was thinking, but I do know a few months ago when he approached the godly priest, Zechariah, and told him that he and his wife, their old age, were going to have a child, that Zechariah just couldn't conceive it. He couldn't believe it. He couldn't accept it intellectually or even by faith, even though he knew the story of Abraham and Sarah and how God opened her womb up and how in their old age they had a child. He just couldn't come to grips with it. And Gabriel had to really confront him about it. He kind of lost his voice for a while as a result of it. You can read the story earlier. And I just happened to think to myself, I wonder if Gabriel thought, now how is a 15-year-old girl going to take this? I mean, if I had trouble with a godly priest, what, you know, what, what's this girl going to do when I tell her that she's going to have a child? And I love Mary. I love her response to Gabriel after he says this to her. Look what it says, verse 34. Mary asks the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. In other words, what she, in essence, is saying is, okay, I have no problem with having, you know, a baby, all right? But you need to understand, I, I'm not promiscuous. I'm engaged to be married, but I haven't had sex yet. So, I mean... I don't, I don't understand biologically how what you're saying can possibly take place. Gabriel responds. Listen to what he said in verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. I don't know who is more surprised, Mary or Gabriel. I love Mary. She's an ordinary human being, but I just love her. She's not the body, she's not super spiritual, but I love her faith. I don't know how this can happen to me. I'm a virgin, I, I haven't been with a man, and I, and I can't be with a man until I'm married, so how is it I'm going to be pregnant with, with the Son of God? Oh, well, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit's going to come and overshadow you, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he will put the seed of the divine in your womb. That's how it's going to happen. And I love her response. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Let's get on with it. I'm your servant. Do as you want. It's amazing, isn't it? Like all the women, both campuses, raise your hands. How many of you ladies, if you had that experience, would have responded the same way? I think a lot of, a lot of you probably have gone, really? This, this is a weird dream I'm having right now. And Mary's like, okay, let's do it. Let's get on with it. And, and I'm sure that as God is watching and listening to this whole thing, that smile kind of breaks out on his face when he compares her <clears throat> to the response of that godly priest, Zechariah, who just couldn't believe. But there's something in Mary's response, honestly, that it's almost kind of businesslike. You notice that? It, it's, it's just almost, you know, very logical. Like, okay, that's the way it's going to be. Fine. I'm your maid servant. Go ahead. 
do this miracle and, and, and let's move on. And, and you just say, well, you know, was she happy? Was she overjoyed? Was she scared? Was she amazed? Was she freaked out? I mean, what, what was going on here? Well, as Paul Harvey used to say, and now the rest of the story. All right? Because I want to tell you what. She must have brought God such joy as she unwrapped what God was doing for her and got very excited about it. Look at verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country, to Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? I get goosebumps just reading this. When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Wow. You are blessed because you believed. Here it is, right? You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said, Mary. You are blessed because you just, you exercise that raw faith. That childlike faith. No wonder God chose a child. You just exercise that faith and believed it. Now here it comes. Watch Mary. Verse 46. Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. Wow. Mary teaches us how to delight God. Mary teaches us how to move from worry and criticism and complaining to a spirit of joy and to a spirit of of rest and to a spirit of peace. If you want to jot this down, you can. Listen to me. It It immensely, it immensely pleases God when we recognize and rejoice over how much we matter to him. I want you to think about that. Because for whatever reasons, many, many believers struggle with this. But God, it it just immensely blesses him and causes God such delight when we take joy over how much we matter to him. Mary just explodes with praise to God. And you heard her own words there when she recognizes that God, this infinite God, this righteous, gracious God would choose to give her the gift first. You know, we got got Mary in here. All right? So little. Isn't she cute? I don't know if you get a close-up on that. All right? Small, insignificant, little object on this big stage. It's just like Mary was. Small, insignificant, obscure Nazareth. No name, nobody, no princess. And God 
God comes. And God says, hey, little Mary, surprise. I'm giving you the gift first. And the way you receive it is going to affect how everyone else receives it. Aren't you amazed this weekend? Aren't you just absolutely amazed that God chooses you? That God desires you? That God favors you? You know, there's this greeting in South Africa, the Zulus, the Zulu tribe uses it when they meet each other. It's a very important greeting. And the first thing you say when you meet someone in this greeting is suwana bona. All right? So I want us all to say it together. Ready? Suawa bona. One more time. Suawa bona. 111, make sure. All right? Now you say it to me. Okay. Suawa bona simply means I see you. All right? So, you know, if we're in the Zulu tribe and I walk up to you, I go, ah, suawa bona. That means I see you. And the response to Suwalabona is simply this, Sikona. So say it with me. Ready? Sikona. One more time. Sikona. Okay? And Sikona, simply translated, means I am seen. So I'm going to say Suwalabona to you, 111, and you guys respond by saying Sikona, right? Suwalabona. I just said to you, that I see you, and you responded back to me and said, I am seen. Now you say it to me, Suwabona. Ready? One, two, three. Sikona. You just said to me, I see you, and I just said, I am seen. In Zulu folklore, it is believed that you are not a person until somebody sees you. That's why when they say, I see you, you respond by saying, Ah, I am seen. I am somebody. That's what God said to Gabriel, to Mary. Suwalabona, I see you. And because I see you, that makes you somebody. Wow, isn't that awesome? You know what makes you somebody? It's not how rich you are. It's not the color of your skin. It's not your ethnicity. It's not your background. It's not your success. It's not your grades. It's not your degrees. It's not what suburb you live in. None of that is what makes you favored in God's sight. What makes you favored in God's sight is the fact that he sees you. And it doesn't matter right now where you're at, what you're going through. God sees you. You may be going through a hard time right now. You may be enduring some suffering right now. You may be discouraged right now. You may be wondering if you'll keep your job right now. You may be physically in bad shape right now. But understand this, that God sees you and that makes you somebody. And for whatever reason, God is allowing you to go through this trial right now to be his witness and his light. But the Heavenly Father says, soon and very soon, he's going to call you home or he's going to come back and you'll be with him forever. And he asks you temporarily to deal with this and know that you're not alone. He sees you. You matter to him. Regardless whether you believe it or not, you matter to him. I'm here to tell you, you matter to him. The problem that we have oftentimes is we think we matter to God that nothing bad should ever happen in our lives. That's just this wrong thinking. Read your Bible. Look what happened to Jesus. You matter to God. And right now your mission and journey in life is to be aware of how much you matter to him and allow that to be your strength and allow that to be your source of hope in life. 
See, what the world does to us, what Satan does to us, he gets us to think that if we matter to God, everything will be successful in our life. We'll be healthy and wealthy. And he fools us into thinking that's, that's how you know if you matter to God. It is not how you know if you matter to God. You matter to God when you simply rejoice in the fact that God loves you in spite of your circumstances. Do you know this weekend that you matter to God? doesn't matter how many presents you have under your tree this, this year. You matter to God. And you need to rejoice in that. Amen? Yeah. All right. There's another thought that I'd like you to jot down as well. It greatly pleases God when we focus on his magnificence. It pleases him immensely when we realize how much we matter to him. But it also pleases God greatly when I understand and when I appreciate and I focus on his magnificence. And throughout this, this whole passage, Mary does that. Come back to verse 49. He sa- she says, for the mighty one is holy. In verse 46, she says, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. And then she talks in verse 47 about God, my Savior. And you can keep on reading his mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has brought down princes from the thrones. He has filled the hungry. He has helped his servant. He made a promise to our ancestors. She is focused on the magnificence of God. And the word that she uses there for him being mighty is a word that literally means he can do the impossible. That's what Gabriel said, remember? God can do the impossible. Isn't that awesome? That's the God we serve. The God who fills up space and time, and yet space cannot contain him. Think about this. That very same God comes and indwells the womb of a 15-year-old girl. I want to tell you something, man. That's magnificent. That is magnificent. That is great. Scientists call it parthenogenesis. Parthenogenesis simply means conception without a passive female cell being penetrated by an active male cell. It's a miracle. And God has performed a spiritual parthenogenesis in every person's life who has received Christ into their hearts. Are you aware of that? If you are a believer this weekend, God is as much resonant in your life, understand this, as he ever was in the womb of Mary. Now, I want you to come to grips with that. It's going to take you all Christmas long. You know, when a woman is pregnant and she begins to show and that baby begins to move, you'll often watch, I see my wife, I see my my daughter-in-law, I see my daughter do it, place their, their hands on, on their womb with that sense of presence in them, that sense of life moving in them. I want you to know this weekend that God is as present in your, the womb of your soul as he ever was, the womb of Mary's body. And we need to feel and sense And know his presence by faith and by obedience. Have you felt his presence in your life? 
Listen to what some passages of Scripture say to us. For instance, over in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. Listen to what it says there. Paul is speaking. It's a powerful uh, verse of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. Excuse me, verse 13. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he's purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. In other words, God has given you his spirit. He indwells you so that you would know that and give him praise and rejoice in him. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who lives in you and who has given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Hear what Paul's asking and saying? He said, don't you realize... And your body's a holy temple. What makes it a holy temple? God's presence dwelling in you. you know, we all want to see miracles, don't we? If you know Christ, you're a miracle. Because he indwells you. And the Christian life is all about, remember the mom with her hands on the womb, The Christian life is all about being aware and surrendered to that presence. Would you bow your heads? Father, speak into our hearts and into our lives right now and make us conscious of your presence. If there's anybody here or there at 111, who has never invited Christ into your soul, into your life, or you are unsure whether you've ever done that or not, this Christmas, beginning this weekend, it's the time to know. It's the time to decide. And I would like to lead you in a very simple prayer of receiving Christ into your life. Or if you're unsure of being confident and sure, so you never have to guess again. If you're here this weekend and you want to receive Christ right where you are, right in those chairs, right now, would you just raise your hand and say, I want to receive Christ. I'm unsure. I want to be sure this weekend. And then pray this prayer with me. Gracious Father in heaven, silently to yourself, gracious Father in heaven, I acknowledge to you that I am a sinner. And I ask you to forgive my sins. Oh, please come into my life and take over. I surrender myself to your presence by faith like Mary did. And I receive your assurance today. Father, for everyone who's prayed that prayer, just come and indwell them richly. As you did, Mary. So do that for us, we pray. Father, thank you for Mary's reception of your beautiful gift. We too receive that gift. In Jesus' name, amen.